Well, hello, and today I am speaking on Christ in the city. And here is the issue. Some people, perhaps many people, perhaps you, are questioning the future of the city, saying that with COVID, the benefits of city life have gone. You know, saying things like, I want a better quality of life in a rural location. I want a reprieve from the intensity of all that's happening. I want to minimize my chance of catching COVID. I want a slower pace of life. I want more space inside. Now I'm working from home. I want more space outside so I can have a bigger garden or just to have a garden at all. You know, the grass seems greener in the countryside, quite literally, compared to the mud bath that is currently calling itself Clapham Common. Up the countryside, down the city, the city is dead. Now, back in 2012, Harvard University professor of economics, Edward Glazer, wrote a book entitled The Triumph of the City. And in it, he writes this. He says, eating or drinking out is a way to share common space so that the urbanite isn't confined by a compact flat. In a sense, then, cities pull people out of private space into public areas, which helps make them centers for socialization and conspicuous consumption. City residents are more likely to go to a rock or pop concert, visit a museum, go to a movie, and have a drink at a bar than their country cousins. These higher-end entertainments, which feature live interactions instead of passive TV watching, also have a particular appeal to wealthier and more educated people. Not anymore, Edward Glazer. Not anymore. The countryside is up. The city is down. The city is dead. Now, it's not quite as simple as I've just painted. I know most people think that cities will continue to thrive and grow. Why? Well, to summarize a recent Financial Times article, after the pandemic, the city, it'll straight away regain its networking function, it'll straight away regain its playground function, and whilst modified, it will straight away regain its workplace function because we have a need, a, a deep need to interact face-to-face -face on all those things. But what do you think God thinks of the city? You know, is God up the countryside, down the city? I mean, surely there is so much more of God in the countryside. You know, we can be captivated by nature, declaring the glory of God in the countryside in a way that is impossible in the city. What do you reckon? Now, today, I want to argue quite strongly that that's a load of rubbish, that God is for the city and that you and I should be for the city too, whether that's London or somewhere else. Because the pinnacle of God's creation, the only thing in all of his creation that he declares to be made in his own image, the only thing in the entire Genesis account of creation that is declared very good is humans, you and me. Not the rolling South Downs or the beautiful South Coast beaches or the Norfolk Broads or the, or the quaint uh, home county's village, but humans, you and me. Cities, they are defined as being places of high population density. Cities, quite literally, they have more of the image of God per square meter than anywhere else on this entire planet. God, he is passionate about the city. Because God, he is passionate about people. And you know, the future, the future is the city. 
The city is the future. And I mean that far more big and more grand than any FT article. Humanity, it began in a garden, but we will end up in a city. Do you realize that? The whole story of the Bible, it is one that takes us from the Garden of Eden through to the holy city. That is the end game. The end point of the Bible is a city. Now, now this city, as you read about it in Revelation 21 and 22, at the very end of the Bible, it is chock full of imagery that is taken from the Garden of Eden. But it is a city, all right. There are gates, there are walls, there are streets. It's a city full of people of all nations and races of this world. It's a city full of culture. We're told that the the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. We're told the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. And God, he will be there at its very center. It is an incredible vision of the eternal future. God's end goal for you and me, it is thoroughly urban. The city. You see, the city of the future is a renewed place. Revelation 21, verse 1, the first verse that Sophie read for us. The Apostle John writes this. He said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now that word new there, it means new as in renewed, rather than new as in brand new. So my bike, it's falling to pieces. Do I chuck it away and get a brand new one? Or do I get the person in the bike shop to renew my bike, to oil it, to sort out the brakes, the chain, the gear mechanism? Now the word for new here, it is the second of those two. This is not God throwing this world away, scrapping it, getting a brand new one but rather it is God stripping this earth down, clearing it out, clearing out all the junk and the grit and the grime and renewing it, making this world new again. And just look at verse two. It says the city is at the very center of this renewed world. Verse two, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And notice this. The city is coming down from heaven. It's not us going up to it. The city's coming down. You see, we sometimes think of the eternal future as away from here, as us escaping this world. But the Bible says that the eternal future is this physical world. This world renewed, perfect, healed, restored, free from sin. It is a world we've never had. A world that feels miles and miles away at the moment because of all the challenges of the pandemic. But it is a world that we all want and we all long for. And it is a world that is thoroughly urban. The holy city at its center. So the city of the future, it's a renewed place And it is full of renewed people. I think verses three and four are amongst the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. And literally, verse three says this. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's tabernacle is now among the people and God will tabernacle with them. Now, the tabernacle in the Old Testament times, it was where God dwelt. God was hidden. God was closed off. He was in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle. He was behind this thick curtain. You couldn't approach God because God, he's holy and we're not. We're sinful. But here in the future city, God is tabernacling. He is dwelling. He is freely there in perfect relationship with his people. 
And you know what is so fascinating here is the dimensions of this city. It's described in great detail in the rest of Revelation chapter 21. And the dimensions of this city, they are a perfect cube. Just as the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle was a perfect cube. You see, the entire city of the future, it is the Holy of Holies. It is where we can know God perfectly because God dwells face to face with his people. And of course, that is exactly why Jesus came to make perfect relationship with God possible. It's why the curtain hiding in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem, it was torn in two from top to bottom as Jesus died. And I think this is all part of the reason why the eternal future is a city. Not some sort of rural countryside with us all spread out at a low population density. Because when our relationship with God is set right, then our relationships with each other are set right too. And then people are drawn towards each other, aren't they? We're drawn in closer and closer proximity. We're not trying to escape other people because this city, it is made up of a renewed people. A renewed people with, verse 4, no more mourning or crying or pain or death. People are wanting to be closer and closer to each other because they are in a perfect relationship with each other, free from sin in this city of the future. Now, I love this um, quote from the theologian Chris Wright talking about this city. He says this. He says, think of the prospect All human culture, language, literature, art, music, science, business, sport, technological achievement, actual and potential, all available to us. All of it with the poison of evil and sin sucked out of it forever. All of it glorifying God. All of it under his loving and approving smile. All of it for us to enjoy with God and indeed be enjoyed by God. And all eternity for us to explore it, understand it, appreciate it, and expand it. You know, this isn't the sort of boring place that some people think of when they think of eternity. You know, us sitting endlessly on a cloud strumming a harp or something. Now, all this is wonderful, you might say, but but so what? So what? How does it make a difference now when, let's be honest, the biggest excitement for us in lockdown time is, you know, what is the next Netflix series that I'm going to binge watch? Why should the city of the future bother me now? Well, here's the answer. It's because our understanding of the future makes a massive difference to how we live now in the present. I mean, it's obvious, really. You know, t- imagine my children as I take them on yet another lockdown bike ride around the mud bath of Clapham Common. And as we go around Clapham Common, they get tired, they get exhausted, and they start saying, I can't go any further. I'm exhausted. Can you carry me? Can you carry my bike? Now, what do I do in that moment? What I do is I paint a picture of the future. I say, think of the amazing, you know, cake or pancakes or ice cream that's waiting for you at home. And surprise, surprise, suddenly they start pedaling again with gusto because they've got this renewed vision of how amazing the future is. And it's just the same with us. If we are going to think that the grass is greener anywhere at all, then please don't think that the grass is greener out of the city and in the countryside. It's not. The only place that the grass is truly greener is in the city of the future. 
And let's let an understanding of that incredible future drive how you and I live in the present so that in the present, you and I, we can be a beacon of hope looking forwards to that future city. And we do that, firstly, by focusing on this city being a renewed place. So that's why during the last year, we have been running a food bank. We want to make this part of the city a more humane place for people to live. As it says in Jeremiah 29, we seek the welfare of the city. And that's one of the big goals of Revitalize 250 mentioned earlier. It'll enable us to do so much more of serving the needs of this city. You know, debt advice, crisis pregnancy advice, mental health needs, helping ex-offenders, drug rehabilitation, helping the homeless, more toddler groups. But also... We help the city be a renewed place, not just by our service to the city through specific projects that the church runs that we help volunteer with, but also we help this city be a renewed place by all of us serving God in and through our work, our employment. Many of you will know that I have a real passion of helping people to connect our faith to our day-to-day work, and this is why. Because as we look to do our work, whether that's working as a nurse, a banker, a shelf stacker, a civil servant, or a homeschooling parent, or whatever else it may be, we are thinking, how can I work to bring glory to God in and through what I do? How can I renew this place through my work? So that's the first way that we can be a beacon of hope in this city, by focusing on this city being a renewed place. But there's a second way too, just as there was with the future city as I described that, so too now we focus on this city in the present being made up of a renewed people. You see, a city like London is marked by much greater diversity of people than rural areas. Cities tend to be far more racially and culturally and socioeconomically diverse, and that diversity, it can lead to conflict, or it can be a thing of beauty. One of the most powerful things about a church, this church, is seeing people working in politics on the right and on the left, but in our church community, united under the Lord Jesus. It's seeing an investment banker and a homeless refugee level on a level playing field at the foot of the cross. It's seeing a 20-year-old man and an 80-year-old woman chatting together, laughing together over a coffee. My prayer is that we would see a renewed people through the community of this church, diverse, very diverse, reflecting the diversity of the city, but totally united in Jesus. And that leads, most crucially, to focusing on our evangelism to the city. If this city, indeed this nation, is going to have more renewed people. I wonder if it's ever struck you that The early church's missionary strategy in the book of Acts, it was almost entirely urban. You know, Paul, he spent all his time in cities. When he entered a region, what did he do? He planted a church in the biggest city he could find, and then he headed off to another region. But by reaching the cities, he was able to reach all segments of society over time. And today, it's no different. To see ultimate renewal in people as they respond to the grace of God in Jesus that we've had our eyes open to, to do that most effectively, it is best to focus on the city. And so to finish, may I say two things? 
First thing's this, firstly to the Christian. To the Christian, stay connected to the city in the present. Now, now please don't mishear me there. The countryside, it may be right for some. Some people will be listening to this from a rural location where you live permanently. And the reality is there must be Christians everywhere that there are people. For some, God will be calling you to move out of the city for a particular reason. Maybe to to look after a close relative in need. Or maybe your job that you feel God wants you to do is taking you elsewhere. But please... Don't let the primary reason for moving out of the city be because you think that the grass will be greener for your own personal comforts and preferences by being in the countryside. John Tyson, the um, uh, the New York pastor, he says this. He says, in some generations, the call for Christians was to go. But he says, for many urban Christians, particularly now, the call is to stay. And if you want an example of staying, just just think of our very church with Wilberforce and the Clapham sect. What did they do? They stayed here. Clapham back then, it was just on the edge of the city. But what did they do? They stayed here. They did community here. They served the city here through their work and through their service. They evangelized. And as well as the abolition of the slave trade, they were right at the heart of the revival of faith in our entire country that took place at the start of the 19th century. So HDC, please stay connected to the city in the present. May we stay connected and be a beacon of hope in this city of London as we point forwards to the city of the future. And then finally, there may be some listening and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And perhaps as I've been speaking, you have been captivated by what the eternal future sounds like. And you can see that if that's true, that there is no better future than that. And if that's you, can I urge you, even more important than staying connected to the city in the present, even more important is that you get connected now to the city of the future. Now here's how you don't get connected to the city of the future. You don't go, well, I better, be, you know, I better be good. I better volunteer at the food bank. I better work hard in my job. I better give my money to the church's building project. No, that doesn't get you into the new heaven and the new earth. No. In these last two chapters of the entire Bible that we're looking at, as it speaks about the holy city, this city of the future, there's a verse that says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. He says, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Now, it's picture language, but here's the idea. Throughout Revelation, we are all pictured as wearing robes. And to be allowed into the eternal city, these robes, they need to be perfectly white, they need to be pure, no dirt or stain. But throughout life, we do stuff wrong. You know, we hurt others, we turn our backs on God. And all the ways we do that, it's like we're sort of rolling around in all the mud on Clapham Common. Our white robes, they are filthy, dirty. And thinking that we can get them clean again. You know, that we can get these robes spotless white by being good, nice people. Well, that is like trying to get the robes white again just by rubbing them hard without any soap and hoping the dirt will disappear. It doesn't work. Now, to get the robes clean, 
so we can go into the city. What do we need? The verse says, blessed are those who wash their robes. And earlier in Revelation, it explains what that means. It says, they are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, isn't that extraordinary? Filthy, dirty robes made spotless white by deep red blood. But here's the point. The Lamb is Jesus. It is Jesus' blood. And at the end of Revelation, this Lamb Jesus is pictured at the center of the city. He is worshipped. He's on a throne. But Jesus is pictured as a Lamb throughout Revelation because when he came to this earth, he became a sacrificial Lamb. His, His life sacrificed, his blood shed for you and me on the cross. And so Jesus Christ is saying to you today, If you want to be someone who is heading to the city of the future, if you want to be connected now to the city of the future, he's saying accept the free gift of cleansing that he offers you today. Life may feel very chaotic at the moment, but this is so simple. You say to Jesus, Jesus, you were crucified. You were crucified outside of the gate, outside of the city in the present. You were crucified outside of the city in the present so that I might be able to go into the city of the future. Jesus, you took my punishment so that I can go free. Jesus, you were my sacrificial lamb. You died in my place. Your blood washed away my sin so that I can go dressed in a pure white robe so that I can go after death through the gates into that most glorious of cities. Jesus, thank you that you died for me.